Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. Remember those quizzes we love to take as kids? You know, like the totally important ones, like which color matches your personality? Which pizza topping best describes you? Which Backstreet Boys song is your life anthem? I think I might have just dated myself a little bit. (laughs) While those quizzes were all honestly just fun and games, there is an underlying truth to them. We all want to know what makes us unique. We know ourselves, obviously. But there is something just intriguing about an outside source validating or illuminating qualities and skills so we can get a bigger picture look at what makes us special. In continuing this month's conversation on confident leadership, we thought it would be fun to explore the world of assessments, what they mean in the grown-up world, and learn how they can be used to help you be the best leader that you can be. Well, we are in for a treat with today's guests. I'm sure many of you have heard of and been blessed by Allie Worthington. Allie is a speaker, author, coach, and entrepreneur who co-founded the Blistem Conference. Allie also served as the founding COO for Propel Women until 2018. And she has also written three, soon to be four, and we'll talk about that later, (laughs) books created to help women realign their lives and find their purpose and happiness again. In her coaching, Allie loves to help her clients discover and grow their professional dreams and build healthy businesses that enrich her clients' lives. I can't wait to hear, (laughs) to be honest, I can't wait to hear what she has to say about tapping into your personality to discover and utilize your leadership style. So Allie, thank you so, so much for being on with me today. Like I said, I'm so excited to have you here. Well, thank you. What a lovely introduction. I am thrilled to be here. Many of us know about and have taken, I would think, all of the different personality mm-hmm. and skills assessments that are out there. Besides just being fun and interesting to do, what are the career and leadership benefits of knowing how you tick? Mm, such a good question. I think for one, the most important thing is self-awareness. Self-awareness is the key to success. As my friend Jenny Catron says, to lead well, you have to lead yourself well. And we can't lead ourselves well unless we know how we tick, unless we know how we engage with the world. We need to illuminate our blind spots. We need to know how we behave under stress or how we behave when we're healthy. When we are leading other people, we are, have to be, to do it well, we have to be brave enough to get to know ourselves well. That means we know the good, the sometimes bad, the sometimes ugly, because I think many of us have had seasons of life, maybe we've served under leaders who haven't necessarily been self-aware. I mean, we we all laugh at the office because it's so cringy. Um, <laughs> but you, know, you can think of all of these different people that professionally and even personally we've been around who do lack a self-awareness and that holds them back. So when we're building our teams also, we want to know where our weak spots, where are those gaps we need filled in with other people who have a skill set that we don't have. It's just one of those secrets for building a really robust, successful team to support us or to support um, whatever organization that we find ourselves in. Ellen, I love that you mentioned the not so good things that will come up when you do these assessments. I mean, for me, and this probably kind of gives away what I am, but you know, I, I didn't love the thought of taking them because I didn't want to know what I was bad at mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't want to know what I was lacking in. But I mean, like you said, you you have to face that, you know, in order to fully understand who you are and then therefore how you can be the best leader, the best worker that you can be. 
Yeah, I was I was working with a client this morning um, who's a, a physician, has offices in multiple states, and one of her physicians, she was telling me about a struggle she was in, and we went back to her Enneagram and her DISC profile to go, okay, mm. this behavior means she's operating out of stress. Let's fig- yeah. let's let's make a plan, figure out how to coach her so she can be successful successful in her role again, and we have all of that data because of the wonders of these tests to not mm-hmm. to pigeonhole people, not to tell people, oh, you can only do something because you have this profile, but to have a more clear understanding of ourselves as leaders and the people we lead to make sure that we're doing everything we can so we'll be successful, but we're also leading others so they can find greater success. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and the Enneagram, I would say, is arguably the most popular personal assessment mm-hmm. to take. And then I think DISC is one of the top professional assessments that people take. So, you know, you mentioned both. So as a coach, do you find that maybe there are certain assessments that are more beneficial for leadership development over others? Or is there a way to kind of marry the different assessment results into a fluid leadership development plan? I'm a big believer in marrying them. For my clients, we work with, like I said, both DISC and Enneagram. And when they, whenever they hire new team members, whether it's a salesperson or a CFO, I have them use both the DISC and Enneagram. We go over that together because when you use both of those to, to create a, a more clear um, picture of the person that you could potentially hire... For instance, sometimes we'll talk about it in a little bit. We'll talk about the details of personalities. If someone on the Enneagram shows that they're a helper, that's wonderful. We know their motivation. We know what drives them. But without the DISC, we don't know if they show up in a dominant way in work situations. We don't know if they are conscientious or they're very steady. We know their heart. We know their motivation, but we don't necessarily know the details of how they behave or how, they, how they're perceived in a professional setting. That's yeah. really the magic of using both of those together. It helps mm-hmm. show the full range of a person as well as potential areas for growth. Well, so let's maybe just dive in. So what is the top leadership tip that you would give to each quote unquote type of person um, based on popular assessments? Mm. Oh, that's such a good question. I think, say, do you mean how to use the Enneagram and how to use the DISC? How to, how to, I think so. Yeah. 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 And so like taking into account both of those, like what, what's like one leadership tip that you would give? I think it's important when you are hiring, it's important even when you're dealing with the Enneagram and DISC for yourself to never use the test as a pigeonhole to show where maybe your lid or someone's lid is, because anyone can lead well, no matter what their um, DISC profile says or what their Enneagram number is, because all of these tools are an invitation to growth. All of these tools are an ability for us to see ourselves more clearly. So it's not a crystal ball to say, this person's a leader, this person isn't, or I have this Enneagram number, I'm not going to be able to be successful in this area. It's only a tool to be able to know where we can invest in ourselves and where we can grow. Or for our team members, where they have weaknesses, where we want to give them a little bit more support so they can be as successful as possible. 
this month on the Forward blog, um, for those of you who are listening, we do have a blog, um, and every month we talk about a different topic. And so this month we're talking about competent leadership. And you have the perfect book coming out this month to tie into that discussion. So I would love to have you share what Standing Strong is about and what drew you to write it. Mm. Standing Strong, it's really my story of how Self-doubt and adversity almost took me out of what God had planned for me and everything I learned along the way. I guess if I had an elevator pitch for it, it would be a guilt-free guide to getting out of our own way, to Mm. recognizing the, the obstacles in our path and how to overcome them. And then the heart of the book is about partnering with God with what He has for us in each season. I think that I feel that God is raising up a generation of women in this generation right now. And I hope it's just a step-by-step guide to overcome what's holding us back as women and how to move forward. Um, for me, it's a, it's a love letter to the concept of that all the work we do is partnering with God. And so often we, we think about certain types of our work being important and other types not, but that it's all important to God. Well, and I was lucky enough, (laughs) thank you to you, to get a copy. And something that I wanted to have you share more about is actually from chapter 15, Mm -hmm. um, where it's called Find Your Strength in Community. And you wrote that two sectors that you once assumed were opposing forces, business and ministry, you now recognize as complementary pieces in God's grand design. And I just, I loved that thought because it's exactly what Forward was created to help tie together. So in your eyes, I mean, how can God use someone's career and faith to knit them into a more confident individual and leader? Hmm, that's a great question. I think that sometimes we still play the game that ministry is better than our secular work, right? That mm, one is yes. more important than God. But what I've learned is that it's also important to him that he invites us to partner with him. We partner, gosh, we partner, we partner with him in so many ways. We partner with him to create this world around us that he's given us. We, we create people as women, which is huge. We create culture Mm -hmm. and businesses and ministry and art and gardens and the wonder of dry shampoo. Like the examples of creation (laughs) are everywhere and he has his fingers all over it. When he created this world, this world that we wake up and we find ourselves in, He created us to partner with him to fulfill his plans. And it all started in the Garden of Eden. We know that. But it wasn't as if God placed people in the Garden of Eden and it was supposed to stay a garden. It was designed to be transformed. I think that God planned for all of our technological advances. He planned Mm -hmm. for civilizations. He knew we'd land on the moon, that we'd find a a vaccine for polio, that we would have Amazon free two-day shipping, like all of those things. And when we think about the work that we do, whether we are accountants or insurance agents or teachers or mothers or entrepreneurs, it is vital to this world and it's kingdom work and it's essential and it's holy because it makes the world a better place. And recognizing how important our work is to God, how we, we partner with him to fulfill his plans. I think that can really give us confidence and strength to live intentionally as leaders, no matter you know what our, our Enneagram profile is or what our disc profile is, to know that we are made intentionally 
to partner with them, whether we are, you know, a two on the Enneagram and we're a helper or me, I'm a, I'm a seven. I am um, an enthusiast. However, he created us, however, he created us individually. We are created to partner with him to do something really important in this world. This is a little bit off topic, but I just, I would love to hear your thoughts on it. So, you know, we have a lot of forward women who, you know, obviously they, they know their place in the workplace. They've, Mm -hmm. they've built up to that and then they get to church and they feel lost or they feel, you know, not, not appreciated, I guess is the best way to put it. And I just, I would love to hear your thoughts on like, what would you say to that woman? You know, the woman who is, you know, a a partner at a firm and she's very successful and then she gets to church and she's just a face in the crowd and, you know, she wants to get involved, but nobody really, nobody really seems to appreciate all that she can bring to the table. Yeah. We've dealt with this a lot. Um, I think to some degree, some churches are doing it really well. Other churches aren't doing it well. It depends on our denomination. And I think that, again, this is the first generation of women who are showing up in church going, hey, do you guys need help with your books? Do I can, Mm -hmm. I can, do you want, do I don't want to work the toddler room, but I'll take the traffic position. Right. And the, the generation ahead of us is constantly going, whoa, everything's different. Everything's new. I I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with this. So to some degree, we are a pioneering generation of women who can come in with grace and with strength and offer our gifts and gently push. And it's going Mm -hmm. to, we're probably not going to see a a whole change in the broader church, depending on denomination, um, until it's our kids' generation. But as we go in as women to serve and go, you know, I, I can make brownies. That's great. That that's a wonderful job, but also I'd like to help with the budget planning for next year. I have these skills mm-hmm. to continually, gracefully, and kindly offer that it's we're planting the seeds that will be harvested in the next generation. Mm, I love that. And to some degree, you know, my my family were a little bit uh, odd in, in our church community. My husband and I both had big careers, and back seven years ago, my my career was growing. He had a big career, and we knew because we have five kids, one of us, it was time for one of us to step back from career and focus on the kids, five boys, and we decided that was going to be my husband, and it was funny for us because we didn't realize how unusual we were going to be until mm-hmm. it was our friends at church who would say, Oh, how's everyone reacted as if it was the most shocking decision that we could ever do. And we said, Oh, we, we didn't know this was scandalous until, until everyone started saying, how's everyone else reacting? And we would say, fine, (laughs) except for these strange questions. So I think for us as a, as really a pioneering generation of women, everything we do sets the standard and the example for the women and the men who come after us. And it's not easy on us and we, we can't sugarcoat it, but I think that the seed, like I said, the seeds that we plant right now, and we learn to kind of take a step back to emotionally detach to some degree, to not get offended, to not be easily offended by it, but to continually kind of cast vision for the way things could be in a, in a healthier way. 
our children's generation will, will harvest our hard work. And, and for that, it, it keeps me motivated to keep going, to keep, to keep pushing and to keep offering and to not take it personally when the generation before me can't necessarily see the gifts that, that are available. Well, and I love, I love the seed analogy because, you know, I think especially today, <laughs> you know, we, we've dealt with COVID mm-hmm. for most of this year and, you know, all of the changes that that brought, we are still having, you know, talks about diversity and inclusion and, you know, and like you said, I mean, so many things are changing and we are sowing seeds, whether we know it or not, mm-hmm. we are sowing seeds for the future generation. And yeah, it's just, it's so, so important to just always remember that. I mean, with anything that you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the secret is to know to some degree, whenever we're engaging with people, that people aren't necessarily engaging with us based on the quality of our gifts or our leadership capacity, that there's so many generations of um of thoughts maybe that weren't healthy about women in leadership positions and to know it's not necessarily a reflection on us as individuals, but we're, we're, we're fighting a broader war. And, and when we can think of it in that way, it helps us not, not feel as uh, personally attacked when our gifts aren't necessarily welcomed at the table. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to know, you know, after you finished writing Standing mm-hmm. Strong, what is something that you personally took away from it? I mean, obviously you wrote it, <laughs> but, you know, in the process of writing it, like what is something that just really struck home for you? I think with Standing Strong, it was, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting message. The entire process of writing the book was pretty wild. When I prayed into what God wanted for the next book for me, because I always would pray, you know, Lord, tell me what the next book is going to be about. And he would give me a word or two. God gave me a vision for the fact that things were going to get a lot harder for us as women. He wanted an encouragement. He wanted a call to arms, if you will. He wanted a charge given to women that the nudge he has put in our hearts, the dreams he's given us, the new ideas we have are important to him. And even if it seems unlikely or way too hard, given the circumstances of the world, his calling for us remains. And we get confused about calling sometimes. We believe that um, confidence and calling is something that, that we understand. We, we think about calling, we kind of mix it up with purpose, our purpose on this earth. We all have one, it's, it's to choose the Lord or to not. But our calling changes in different seasons of our life. Our calling for me as an almost 44-year-old woman, it looks different than it did when I was 25. It looks different than it did when I was 30. And I think to some degree, all of us are, are, are kind of beating ourselves up with this idea of, oh, I've missed my purpose. Or, you know, I think this is my purpose in life, but I don't have anything else in front of me. When like I said, our calling changes all the time. My calling right now in the middle of this pandemic looks way different than my calling did even a year ago. These are different assignments that the Lord has given me. And when we start thinking about partnering with God and kind of unwrapping what our calling is in each season, we see that He has something specific for us in each season. And that requires a certain level of confidence. And 
I think that sometimes we think that confidence is something that we either have or we don't. Like we have brown hair or blue eyes or, you know, whatever it is. And we go, some people have confidence, some people just don't. And for us as women, especially, confidence is not something we're born with. It's something that we build. We, we've seen all the studies about how men and women react to different situations. You know, if there's a job opening with, with 10 different requirements, a man is going to say, oh, I have one of those. Let's go. They're going to love me. Whereas a woman is going to go, oh, I only have eight of the 10. Let me, let me build on nine and 10, and then I'll put in my application. There's something in us that tends to hold ourselves back. But as I kind of worked through the concept of confidence through writing this book, I realized it's not something we're born with. It's something we build. And the only way we do it is just by taking like baby step after baby step after baby step. And I think about the way it is for all of us when we're first learning to ride a bike. No young girl at age five is going to say, I'm a great biker. It's not. <laughs> but we learned about ride a bike by riding a tricycle and then using training wheels. And we get so skilled at those training wheels that they fall off and we don't notice. And then, you know, I can picture us at the top of a grassy hill and we're going down and we're wrecking and we're skinning our knees and, you know, we're having a few accidents, but before you know it, we're bikers. Like we, we get it. We can ride the bike. Mm. That's the same thing with confidence. And for so many women, we have so many obstacles in our path. We, there's so much self-doubt that threatens to take us out that we have to give ourselves permission to take that little step one at a time after time after time. And for us, that can look like starting with saying one prayer. It can, it can be a lap around a track. It can be saying you're sorry to one person. It could be making a sale in your business or writing a paragraph, or, you know, sending a text, whatever that small step is, our confidence will come when we take action, we take that step. It's why it is so important that we get to know how we react naturally to things. It's why we study the Enneagram, we study the DISC, because we want to know, you know, what are, what are my leadership skills? What are the blind spots I need to work on? For me, as a seven, a seven is the enthusiast, it's very handy with the Enneagram. The Enneagram will tell you where you go under stress, how you behave. And it's it's complex, but as as everyone kind of gets into more of the Enneagram, they'll get it. And I'll I'll just tell you how I how it surfaces for me. When I am under stress, I take on really critical perfectionistic tendencies. I'm I'm a real joy to be around. Mm. But it's <laughs> funny because the seven, we're kind of known as the happy ones. So we're the adventurers, the enthusiasts. Yeah. But yeah. under stress, we'll become very critical, especially to our teams. We'll, we'll be fault finding. We want everything to be perfect. And I see myself doing that with my children when I'm under stress. I've done it to my team when I'm under stress. And for, for us as women to go, okay, this is, this is how God put me together here are my weak spots. I'm not going to take that as a, a character a character assassination for me. I'm just going to know this is what I have to build on. This is what I can partner with God on to make sure that my leadership is as healthy as possible. There's real power in that. But to some degree, it takes a little bit of confidence to look at the, the more negative at traits of our personality and take it to God and go, mm -hmm. help me 
do this when I don't feel like I can do this. Help me face things in me that are unhealthy um, so I can lead well, so I can be the best entrepreneur possible, so I can be the best boss possible, so I can be the best colleague and employee possible. That when we when we really marry it all together, that's when there's real power in the personality test and, and taking that to the Lord and be able to partner with them on it. When, when did you, I'd love to know this, when did you pray about this book? Like, do you remember the, the time of the yes. year? I prayed about this book. I started praying about it at the end of 2018. So summer, fall 2018. Oh my goodness. And wow. so I went to him and said, Hey, what's, what's this book about? And, and the yeah. first thing he said to me was a prayer that my mom used to pray over me at night. He called back a little part of it. And it is great woman of God. My mom used to pray over me every night that mm -hmm. I would be a great woman of God, strong in my faith and fearless as I face the future. I could say it by heart now. And I thought that is dumb and, and ignored it and went back a few weeks later, like I had never prayed about it before and said, Hey, Lord, what's the next <laughs> book about? And he said, I already told you. And so I spent the next Aww. six months praying into what is what does great woman of God mean? What do you want for women? What is the message women need to hear right now? And it was really, um, God brought up a lot of things to me. I could tell by my, rea I, I kept seeing the same things over and over again that would make me angry. One of those things being this message that women are getting right now that our success in life is solely based on our own hustle, that we are the hero mm -hmm. of our own stories we, there's that, but then you can pair that with um, success in life comes from waiting on the Lord, and that waiting on the Lord is just being passive and sitting in the corner. Because I'll tell you, I've gone across a lot of finish lines in my life, but God's never laced up my shoes and run for me. And so kind of right. getting this perspective correct for women of our generation that we are not the heroes of our own stories. He's created us to partner with him to do great things in this world, whether that great thing is leading an organization or writing a book or fostering a child or building a garden. You know, there's a, there's a nudge in every woman's heart right now. And whatever that nudge is for us, I think that we need to stop telling God what we can't do. We need to stop telling God why we aren't good enough. We need to stop telling God no through our actions because that's what we have a tendency to do. He will give us a little nudge, a little dream in our heart, whether it's you know changing careers or going for a promotion or starting our own business. And we go, oh, I don't know what that is. I must have just eaten some bad food. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining things. <laughs> and he was so clear to let me know that life was going to get more difficult. And... I didn't, mm. I couldn't have known a pandemic was coming. I couldn't have known what, what was going to be facing women, but he did. And so I think it's the, it's the combination mm. message of, I have great plans for you. Women, I want to partner with women to do great things in this world. And yes, things are going to get hard, but it's going to be okay. And whatever that nudges in your heart that God has been telling you, he wants us to listen to it. Mm. Well, as we wrap up, which I hate to do, I would just love to hear from you. If you only had a few minutes to coach someone who wanted to be a more confident mm. leader, what would you tell them? Mm. That is a great question. I think I would tell them to go all in 
okay, if you're listening today, Mm -hmm. I want you to go all in on your dreams in the next season of your life. I want you to pray that God will burn every bridge that leads back to you holding yourself back. That no matter how difficult life looks, no matter how impossible things are that you're dreaming about, I want you to go for it. I want you to listen to the dreams that God has planted in your heart, no matter how improbable they're going to seem. And they may seem improbable over this next year, no matter how unworthy you feel, how unable you feel, or how impossible your dreams sound. As a leader, God is depending on you to come up with fresh vision, new ideas, to do things that have never been done, to show people what can happen. This may be people that you're directly leading right now. This may be people who are watching you in your family or in your community. And now, as you begin to step out, as you begin to try new things, as you begin to to move forward with whatever God is nudging you in your heart, don't let fear and overwhelm lead you lead you back. Don't take it as a sign that it's not meant to that you're not meant to move forward. And we've all heard the classic line, feel the fear and do it anyway. When we do that, when we move forward to build confidence, the fear will back down. I want you to take things step by step, move into the future, move into your destiny, move into your leadership strong, even if inside you don't feel like it at all, because your calling is worth it. And what God wants to partner with you on is going to be worth it. We're glad you joined us for this conversation about leadership and how to be a pioneering leader in your community. For more information about this episode, check out the episode page on our website, forwardwomen.org slash podcast. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N.org slash podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast on your preferred listening platform and leave us a review to let us know what you think of today's episode. We appreciate your feedback and want to make sure that we continue to feature topics that you are interested in. hearing more about. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth. 